This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Okay. All right. 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 All so, All right, that's a lot of pressure you just put on me to not yeah. look like an idiot in front well, of people. You told me you told me to put the pressure on you in these intros, so I had to do it. Yeah, you're like Bruce Arians. I want you going out there and talking trash about me so that I can like get better. <laughs> I am. I a lot of people actually say that I'm a lot like Bruce Arians. All right, so normally during football season, we're starting these shows off with the Lions, right? But guess what? Fuck that. They suck. I hate them. We both hate them. I know you all hate them. So we're going to start with what was exciting over the last week, and that is Troy Weaver and the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Since the last normal fan-to-fan, if you didn't listen to our NFL pick show, you can kind of get our immediate reaction uh, to a lot of these moves. This is another thing I've heard. It's on the podcast side, so we don't talk about this enough up front. We do this show, and it comes out on Tuesdays. But we're also on. We also do some podcast exclusive stuff that isn't available here, but is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. It's all under Fan to Fan Detroit. One word. Okay. One word. Uh, No, you're good. Good. I'm happy you explained it. So over the last week, we've got as Detroit Pistons fans seven trades, four draft picks, and four free agency signings. Uh, basically the last decade of Pistons basketball all wrapped into a week, like as far as excitement level <laughs> yeah. goes. Yeah. Um, for me personally, the most exciting like couple of days as a Pistons fan since we signed both Brandon Jennings and Josh Smith, which obviously didn't work out, but I remember when that was happening and that was like, oh, here we go. Watch out, Eastern Conference. We have the Tri-Towers and Moose, Dre, and Josh Smith. Um but it's been insane. It's been unlike, like for somebody my age or your age, it's been unlike anything we've been through as Pistons fans. Uh, a lot of us are kind of sitting here in the beginning with full 100% trust in Troy Weaver. And now there is a decent percentage, I think, of the fan base that has like completely sold on Troy Weaver. But there's an equal amount of the fan base also that is just like, hey, blind faith. I don't care. I trust him until proven otherwise. And I'm honestly part of that part of the fan base. I like the moves that have been made so far. I don't love them. But until proven otherwise, I trust Troy Weaver 100%. I think it's too early to be out on Troy Weaver. I think that being out on Troy Weaver right now is kind of like not – you don't want the team to be interesting – you just like you have one goal, and there's no other thing that you care about in basketball other than signing Giannis Antetokounmpo or LeBron. That's I, I think that that's what those kinds of people are at. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, a lot of you and I sending messages going, "What is happening right now?" What those are exact we doing? words have been said so why, many times. A lot of what's and whys. Uh, and I, I ultimately think that like we, he, we may have made seven trades, four draft picks, and whatever else to basically make the team five wins better than it was last year. Yes, uh, I don't disagree <laughs> with that, and that sound, but that sounds bad. Like on the face of it, that sounds bad. Yeah, 
uh, because that equals still in basketball purgatory. And especially for somebody like me, who is full tank, go tank. We've been here for a decade. So it's been hard for me to come to grips with this, right? Because we have been in the, the same spot we're at right now, essentially, for a decade. And the Grant signing and the Plumlee signing don't help that. Uh, now, I love the Grant signing. I'm not saying I don't like it. I love it. Uh, but it doesn't help you take that next step. Okay? That's just what it is. Could it further down the road? I guess. But probably not. Because uh, now your timelines are all mismatched with this team. So it's been it's been weird for me because I want to not like it because I want them to just not sign anybody, trade everybody, Blake, D. Rose, Luke, like they did, trade them all away. Uh, and they didn't. But what they're doing is they're kind of setting a foundation, I think. I don't think they know exactly what they're setting the foundation for yet. And that's okay because they're formulating a plan. This is this is phase one that they're still creating what the next couple years is going to look like. Um, so I, my trust is there. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm not ecstatic, but I'm happy. Where are you at? Like definitely satisfied because what this shows at a minimum is that we're here to play, you know, we're here to make moves. We're not going to sit around and and wait for Blake's contract to expire. We're going to do something about it or try to do something about it or be willing and open to new things and experiences, uh, which is all good, which is all good in my opinion. Yeah, and on top of that, so like everybody freaked out when they saw the Plumlee signing. And I get it's not a great contract. It's a, but pretty, everybody... it's a pretty still, even still, I think pretty questionable. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. It's not good. But there is a scenario in here where it's an $8 million center who, guys, he's not as bad as everybody's made it seem. Yeah. He's a good backup center and like a really good backup center. Uh, where there's a playoff team who needs a big guy at the trade deadline one of the next three years, and you can ship him off for assets. Would I have made the signing? No. But do I see the silver lining in the signing? Yeah, because there is one. And worst case scenario, he's an $8 million bad contract. As far as bad contracts go, uh, that's not a very expensive one. No, and you'll f- you can find somebody who will take it. And and again, it's, by the time that contract runs out, you're not going to be competing yet. You're not going to have to worry about the $8 million. It's not like we just signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope to three years, $40 million, So It's a good contract. No, it's not. It's a great contract. Let's, let's come back to that. Okay. It is not. It is it's a really good contract. So, I'll explain that. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Uh, so like things I would have done different, I probably don't sign Plumlee to the contract. But am I furious they did? No. Things I would have done the same, I would have traded for 16. I would have traded Luke for 19. I would have drafted yes. Killian at seven. Uh, I would have done a lot of the same things if, if I knew the opportunity was there. Um, so then we get to today, or when you're listening, two days ago, and they make the trade Tony Bradley for Zaire Smith, which seems super exciting. Me and you were both super excited when we read that. However, it looks like now they're going to stretch and wave him, and I have no idea why. So this gets into, like, when we signed, when we signed Jeremy Grant, which I believe was our last signing of like the free agency 24-hour chaos zone or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, signing attack zone, we were $20 million over the cap, which implies that we're going to have to deal somebody or I think what we're now going to do is stretch and wave both Deadman and McGruber and then now also Zaire Smith, is that correct? 
So we're not stretching and waving De- uh, 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 Magruder anymore. Uh, so he's going to be on the roster. We're waving Zaire Smith instead, which makes it even more confusing. So To me, at least, because w- you could have a 28-year-old really bad player or you could have a young former first-round pick who's had some injury bad luck who's super allergic to peanuts and almost died because it of it. It was sesame miss- seeds. Oh, sesame seeds, excuse me. Uh, almost died because of it. Like, horrible luck his first two years in the league. A little bit of time in the G League, but, like, the potential is there. That guy could be, like, Avery Bradley, but more athletic. Uh, so, I, yeah, I just – I don't exactly know what that is. But So, I don't understand why you would do that because Tony Bradley's contract is $1.962 million. That's I don't like a, that's a small contract. So are we waving? Are we, we're waving and stretching Deadman, right? Which means that we're going to owe him five million for the next five Not years even, like or whatever. Two, like two, three, two, three, or something like that. Okay, so it'll be me, almost three million dollars altogether between the two guys for stretch. So for me, Deadman is like not a terrific player, right? Pretty good though. Good backup. Able to do the Plumlee job. You know, and it is and it was, I guess, an expiring contract at the same time. So that's all. That's also like we had we've had Deadman for a few days now, like a week now, and I, I don't know why we would do that and then sign Plumley and then now if you combine the Plumley money and the Wave and Stretch money, we're basically paying the same amount that we would have just to fucking play Deadman. Well, I think the big, like I even not like I'm not as worried about that as why would we draft Isaiah Stewart at 16 instead of taking somebody like Tyrese Maxey who's got like really a high ceiling, a super high ceiling for a, a guy who you get at yeah. 16. Uh, so there there is some questionable decisions. I think that's all we're trying to say here is we're not completely blindly following Troy Weaver and the Pistons, but we have more trust in them right now than we have had at any other point in the past decade. I think that's fair to say. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Tony Bradley like doesn't like totally suck. He's like 6'10", he's 22. Yeah. He's going to go play eight minutes a game for the 76ers and be a good player there. And for a guard that we cut, I, I, I'm, con- I'm confused by that. He is uh, the ultimate Dwight Howard being a madman insurance policy, Tony Bradley, for Philly. I would think that he would probably play over uh, Dwight Howard. At a certain amount, I, I wouldn't. I yeah, would not five agree. and five, eleven minutes, eleven minutes a game. Yeah, okay. So um, maybe not, but so then I think the next question is what? Like, who is playing next year? Is Killian going to get playing time? Is Derrick Rose still going to be here? Uh, what about Seku? Where's Seku fit into this? Um, so I think just to kind of break it down simply, and then we'll dive deeper. I think you're starting five day, maybe maybe not day one, but for the majority of the season. Killian Hayes will probably be your starter because uh, they want Derrick Rose running with the bench unit. And then He's really, he excels at that. That's like a oh, thing that yeah. you want him doing. I don't want 100%. people to hear that and be like, "Oh, they're benching Derrick Rose." Like Derrick Rose kicks ass as your second point guard. A hundred percent. And then Deion Wright, and then also you want to keep him healthy. You don't want to play him too many minutes because you want to be able to trade him at the deadline. so that he's healthy when we can get him for Kuzma. Yeah, or something along those lines. Uh, and then Deion Wright. Uh, who is a point guard by trade, but he's really a combo guard. Uh, another great pickup. That's a great pickup. Who, when he played last year, got super hot in stretches. The overall numbers aren't super impressive, but when he was playing 30 minutes a night for a small stretch, he dropped like back-to-back 25-point triple doubles. He was really good. 
and then small forwards where where it gets interesting because I think you're going to try to play Grant at small forward, uh, which that's where it gets nerve wracking to me because that's a little too reminiscent of the tri towers that I was speaking about earlier when you say Blake and Mason Plumley are going to be at the four and the five because I know Grant didn't take the same contract. Uh, Denver offered him the same contract we did. I know he didn't take that contract with the idea he was going to come off the bench. So he'll be probably playing small forward. And then Blake and Plumlee uh, roll that or finish that out at the four and the five. Uh, but then your bench – go ahead. So you think that it'll be Blake and Plumlee and not like a 3-4-5 combo of Seku, Jeremy Grant, and Blake? No, I think the goal, uh, Seku is really the important piece here, right? I think that's the biggest, the most concerning thing most people have with this rotation and how this depth chart is going to look. A lot of people are expecting Seku to be a starter playing 30 minutes a game right now. Okay, that's that's not the expectation. Year one, get him here. Year two, get him in the rotation. Year three, starter. Then you find out the ceiling. So can Seku be our sixth man or our seventh man? Hopefully. That's got to be the hope this season. That's the plan. That shows he's on track. Everybody's got to remember, he is 20 years old. He was the youngest player in the draft last year. Uh, so I think he'll be coming off the bench, playing probably, you know, if everything goes right, if he's developing at the proper rate, uh, 23 to 28 minutes, somewhere around there, uh, that's that's the hope. Um and then you're throwing Sadiq Bay in there, maybe 15 minutes game between the two, three, and the four, because I really think he can play all those. You have Svee, who's going to really be your backup shooting guard. Uh, and then you have Jalil Okafor as your backup center. So it's it's a pretty deep team. It's not the best bench in the league, but it's a team where you're going to be entertained pretty much no matter who's out on the court. I mean, if you're running out, uh, you know, six minutes into the third quarter, you got Killian, Svee, Sadiq Bey, Seku, and Jalil Okafor, that's fun as hell. They're pretty switchable in their forward positions. Their threes and fours are all kind of, you can go do whatever you want. Uh, <clears throat> hearing it on paper, like D-Rose and, and, and Seku and Sadiq Bey, if he's good, off the bench is uh, pretty cool. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, we're going to be the 10th best team in the East this year, and that's a little upsetting because that's not where you want to be at, but the groundwork is there for for them to basically be one or two players away if Killian and Seku develop at the level we think that they're going to. And I would like to once again just say that like Killian is going to be a project. He's going to be Not a, a Seku project, though. I think he might be... Well, okay, so Seku spent time in the G League. I don't think Killian will spend time in the G League, but I think that the projection is kind of similar where we're not really going to know until year three. Oh, yeah. To have an idea of who he's really going to be... Um, but as far as uh, take two years or take even a year before he's getting playing time project, that's not it. Killian Hayes is going to get playing time almost right away. I mean, he is, for this draft, he's he's in the top five or six of most polished players, especially if he actually added that right hand, like he said. Um, and then having Derrick Rose to mentor you, the, the defense yeah. he can play, he's not the most athletic player, so the defense is probably never going to be elite. But it's an effort thing with Killian. Killian is go, go, go on defense. He really – and he doesn't take a lot of risks. High IQ, just does his thing correctly on defense. Perfect type of Dwayne Casey player. 6'5", long. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he's got he's got all the tools. If he was a little bit faster, which could come over the next couple of years, 
uh, that would help. Uh, but the defensive ability and the defensive effort and the defensive IQ are there. Something, something I know from soccer to be true is that strength and fitness coaches in Europe are sometimes pretty spotty. Uh, and I, I think that there's a chance that he could come over here and get into an NBA-level regimen and really see some athletic improvements in his game. Uh, that's a big thing for a lot of American soccer players when they go over and play in Europe is all of a sudden they're like, these guys are like the guys that were doing my training in high school. Like, they're, they're not always the highest level. And I would imagine, especially if we're talking French, if he's playing for, like, a mid-tier French basketball team, I bet that's especially true. So I look yeah. forward to that happening. Yeah, the French connection, just just that, just watching them grow over the next couple of years is going to be unbelievably exciting as a Pistons fan. I think with Killian, you know you don't have a bust. It's very low bust potential, I think, for Killian Hayes. Uh the star potential might be a little bit lower too, just because, or less likely, I should say. Uh, Seku is the one who you still have no fucking idea. Like Seku could be yeah. Bruno Cabalaco and never play really, or <laughs> he could name. be like Paul George. Like <laughs> there is no limit. I think Andre Karolinko might be a better. Andre Karolinko might be a better one for him. Uh, yeah, you think he plays like AK forty seven? That's what I, I. That's what I'm kind of hoping for. I think Killian projects is pretty safely above the Reggie Jackson line, but I don't know how far above the Reggie Jackson line. Yeah, I mean, so like, what's the middle ground for Killian? If if he doesn't reach his ceiling, but he doesn't hit his floor, yeah. So like, he's still eighth best like point a, guard in the league. Yeah, at, like at worst, probably for the yeah. middle, I think, because he's. I mean, the dude's just talented. The dude just has skill. He's kind of good at everything. Not great at really anything except for free throw shooting uh, and passing ability or passing potential. Uh, he's just super conservative with his passes. Um, but we know Killian's going to play. I think the bigger question for this rookie class is, is Sadiq Bey going to play? Because uh, Isaiah Stewart's not. We have Jalil and we have uh, Mason Plumlee in front of him. Stewart's going to be up and down between the G League and here, depending on health. Uh, but Sadiq Bey is the guy who can shoot. Right now, he can shoot. You don't have to develop that jump shot. Right now, he can pass. You don't have to develop that. That's a body that could have some transforming, even though he's big and he's strong and he's in shape, uh, as far as maybe even toning it down a little bit and getting slimmer and faster and more agile is on the table, I think, for a guy like Sadiq Bey, because I think it would benefit him more with his play style uh, in the NBA as opposed to the college ranks. The Villanova guys have been very comfortably six guys, seventh guys in the NBA. And I think hitting on a seventh guy, six guy in the NBA at the 19th pick in this particular draft is a pretty good pick. Uh, probably worth Luke Kennard to me. I know, like, there were, I think we all were kind of expecting Luke Kennard to go. I know Pistons fans love him, but uh, paying Luke Kennard four years, 60 million is a, a losing basketball move. Uh, you're good taking the 19th pick, right? You're fine with that? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it only hurts a little bit because I think going into the draft, most Pistons fans thought the value could be a little bit higher than that, uh, maybe still in the lottery. Um, but you end up with a lottery talent, so fuck where the pick was. You got a lottery talent in Sadiq Bay. Uh, when it was like the Pelicans are exploring trades with their 13th pick, I thought that was going to be for Luke. I think you did too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we thought we might have gotten 13 for him, but 
But honestly, like the only guy I maybe would rather had over Sadiq Bay if we did move up to the Pelicans pick was Naismith, uh, who I think went 14th. Nesmith, uh, who can just shoot the lights out. The dude's just got a crazy jumper. Yeah. Uh, so didn't love don't, him. Don't freak out either way. That's all I'm saying. Like, just watch the future, see where we're going to go. Enjoy this year because we're going to be competitive at least until the trade deadline. Uh, and this team is talented enough to make a run at a playoff spot. Uh, is it is it likely? Is it would it be like positive odds? I don't think so. But they're talented enough to make a run at a playoff spot. I think an eight, a seven seed, nothing higher than that. But if Blake's healthy, if D Rose is healthy, and you don't trade him at the deadline, it could be in the cards or. You could trade D Rose at the deadline. There could be an unfortunate Blake injury, or you could trade Blake, and you could end up the fifth worst team in basketball and have great shots at the great chance at the number one pick. So there is ups and there is downs on the what could happen this season, but almost all of them are exciting. All right, so I got some offseason winners and losers here. Um, I'm going to start with the losers because honestly, it's a shorter list. There wasn't a whole ton of losers, I don't think, this offseason. Uh, we're going to go first with the Raptors. Not huge losers, but losers. You lose Serge Baca. You lose Marcus Gasol to both of the L.A. teams. Uh, you overpay a tad on Fred Van Vliet. Not a ton, but a little bit, uh, which now you see you had to do because Gasol and Ibaka were leaving, and you got to keep the talent there. Um, but just they're worse. They are, they are clearly worse by not a huge margin, but a good margin. Enough where they could go from a team that you at least think could compete to win the East, as we did this year, to a team where like a five-six seed I think is more likely and like a first-round exit. Uh, yeah, I Gasol I think is was a pretty important part of that team. What he can do and how that fits in. Uh, that's the one that I'm really concerned about. And Serge Ibaka was like that's they basically lost their fourth and fifth best guys from their team and. Fred Van Vliet for $21.5 million is more than I would have paid. And I really – I wanted the Pistons to sign Fred Van Vliet, you know, and I wouldn't have paid that much for him. So I think I think we're going to see a bad year from the Raptors. I think they could make Unless Pascal turns into, like, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> I guess. I mean, he's already, like, 85% Kawhi Leonard. But yeah. I, I think that there's a chance the Raptors could miss the playoffs unless they find something else to add to their team. I think it's on the table. I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, my number two loser, uh, they can give a big old shout-out to Troy Weaver, is the Denver Nuggets. They lost their whole backup front court. Uh, Jeremy Grant was super important to that team. Uh, Paul Millsap's old. Uh, there's going to be an injury somewhere where Grant could fill in and fill in well. I think we saw in the Clippers series really how important he is. When he's rolling, that team was like almost unstoppable. Uh, not to mention the defensive presence, especially if you're playing a team like the Clippers or the Lakers where the wings are and forwards are both crazy. And he has fantastic switching ability between both of those positions. He can cover anybody in the league. Yeah. Not an elite defender, but a good defender. Um, so I think the Nuggets lost a lot. I, I think the Nuggets lost more than the Pistons gained, even though it's the same players. Well, I think it's the role of those players partially, right? I So the Nuggets lost at one point... 
when when we were like getting these trades live, we thought that or signings and trades, I guess live, we thought that there was going to be a, a Denver Nuggets Blake Griffin sign and trade. That's like the Nuggets were losing players at such a rapid rate for a minute there that to us that we just sort of assumed that they were getting Blake back. Obviously yeah, well, that didn't happen. But and then the tweet comes out. I can't remember who it was from, but then the tweet comes out that the salaries lined up perfect for a sign and trade, and it's like, oh shit, okay, well, I think why? that was Bobby Marks. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, here's what I don't understand from that. If you're the Nuggets, why don't you call the Pistons and see if it's on the table? We, and we don't know they didn't, but I'm assuming that from the tweets I saw from Nuggets reporters throughout the night, it seemed as though the Nuggets weren't interested in that. Uh, and if you're losing Grant, you're losing Plumlee. I mean, Jokic and Blake is like the most versatile big man duo Scary. Yeah. ever. It's like... It's insane what they would be able to do. Shoot, pass, be, drive, everything. Yeah. They can do everything. Michael Porter Jr. too. Like, they're the globetrotters. Like, that'd be yeah, crazy. And, and not to mention just, like, a guy who in the bubble turned into one of the best finesse players in the league in Jamal Murray, who, like, I don't think yeah. anybody would be surprised if he comes out and averages 24 points next year. I think he was close to that this year. But I don't think anybody would be surprised if he's like, stays that level of player. Um yeah, he could uh, he could level up for real. And Jamal Murray, Jokic, Blake is a three that can win a title, and that 100%. there's enough talent there. So and they they are they are easily the second best team with a healthy Blake. Easily the second best team in the West. Easily. Um, is that going to get us to our third loser? No, I I don't have them on my list. Believe that's it or not. well, they're big losers in my book. We'll uh, I think, What's your next I think, loser? Okay, the biggest loser, Michael Jordan. And the Charlotte Hornets, but mostly Michael Jordan. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets signed Gordon person. Hayward to a four-year, $120 million contract for a dude who snapped his leg in half a couple years ago, has had fifty a, a stretch of 15 games. That was the only time he was a net positive player since that injury. Uh, just isn't useful anymore. He's like a $16 million player on a good day. Uh, or that 15-game stretch he had, he was like a $22, $23 million player. But $30 million to um, surpass last year's horrible contract of four at $19 million a year for Terry Rozier. So now you draft LaMelo Ball, this awesome playmaker who can really make some things happen, and you surround him with dirt. Like and you get rid of any flexibility you had because that Gordon Hayward contract will be untradeable forever. Uh, Forty nine million a year to Rozier and Hayward. Like, what is he doing? What is up with him and big white guys? By the way, he loved Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, like, the Plumleys. I don't understand. I, I don't he understand. Drafted, uh, what's his name from North Carolina? Tyler Hansbro. I think the yeah. Pacers draft. Oh yeah, that's probably right. Uh, are we sure Michael Jordan didn't GM for the Pacers? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad deal. And when the Celtics are willing to just like kind of drop a thirty-four million dollar expiring contract like that, it's got to be bad. I mean, the medicals are bad. Even when the medicals were good, the play was bad. Even when the the play was good, the fit was bad. So uh, there's, I, I don't love this. The, I mean, the, the Charlotte's. <laughs> Charlotte every season makes a deal that guarantees them the ninth spot or the eleventh spot in the East for the next decade. It locks them into it. It's like their eternal destiny. It's insane. 
Gordon Hayward has turned one all-star appearance into like almost $300 million in his career. Good for that man. Yeah, good for him. Good for his family. Uh, <laughs> bad for the city of Charlotte. I don't Horrible. know, man. Bad it's for tough LaMelo because, Ball. Like, where's he going to – so now you have like the – they have like three. The, the Charlotte is heavily invested right now in three guards. Uh, LaMelo, Devontae Graham, and then uh, Terry Rozier. And now you're going to, on top of that, pay a guy who's not really a true, like, four forward. He's really more of a three, kind of a two-three, I would say. I, what, and then they, like, it's just not good. It's not and good. Your flexibility's gone. Your roster makes no sense. And Michael Jordan might be a worse owner than James Dolan. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right, let's move on to the winners. Let's get a positive spin on this. Uh, first, I'm going to bunch the first two together because it's okay. similar similar ideas right now. One is just a couple steps further, and that is the Pelicans and the Thunder. Sam Presley having the greatest stretch we've ever seen any rebuilding GM ever have. They have 20 draft picks, 20 first-round picks over the next six years or something, almost 20, maybe a little bit more now after these last couple trades. It's hard to get everything in order with how much shit that guy, how many deals that dude has made. Uh, and then the Pelicans, the same deal. Uh, trade Drew Holiday for the basically the Anthony Davis package, which is absurd. And in a scenario where Giannis and Holiday both leave next year, those are lottery picks for half a decade. Uh, so those two teams are just setting themselves up for like 2025 to 2020 or 2032. Is there going to be any other teams <laughs> in the NBA? Like, what's the point of even playing when Sam Presti just gets to pick whatever first rounder he wants for half a decade? Uh, it's g- good luck to the Thunder. I want to read you this four-way Milwaukee, the Drew Holiday trade, which uh, both New Orleans and OKC are in. Uh, Milwaukee gets Drew Holiday and uh, the 60th pick, Sam Merrill. New Orleans gets... Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, 2025 and 2027 firsts, and 2024 and 2026 pick swaps via Milwaukee. OKC gets George Hill, Josh Gray, Kendrick Williams, Zylan Cheatham, Darius Miller, a 23 protected first via Denver, and two second round picks, and Denver gets RJ Hampton. That's that's a crazy trade. That's a even in if you gave me a handful of amphetamines and unleashed me on the trade machine, I could not come up with that trade. I have two things to say about that. One, there was originally seven teams involved in that trade, That's and a few none. teams ended up backing out. Yes, seven teams. It's a wives' tale. Seven teams. Two, you laughed at me on the Picks podcast when I brought up a possible five-team trade. I you owe me an yeah. apology. You owe me an apology. No. <laughs> yeah, you do. You owe me one. I'll, I mean, I'll wait for it until you... I'm sorry uh, that I think that a trade that will never happen didn't happen. Five-team trades have happened. All right. Whatever. The Hawks. <laughs> next big winner. The Hawks, huge winners. Hawks are huge winners. You get Gallo. You get Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, you're now going to be running out a roster that has Trey Young, Bogdan, Cam Reddish, who's got potential through the roof, John Collins, Clint Capella, with Danilo Gallinari coming off the bench, who I think could possibly win the Sixth Man of the Year award this year, uh, just shooting for days. And then in the spots where you don't necessarily need shooting, even though you'd still like to have it, center, you got Clint Capella, who's going to protect the rim, who's going to get some offensive rebounds. Just I, the way they've built this team, I think the Hawks are going to compete for the playoffs this year. 
which I think is probably they, yeah. two years ahead of schedule from what we saw at the end of this pe- previous season. Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, both super good young players too. I guess Herter's not super good, but good players. Herter's going to be an awesome bench piece. Uh, oh, uh, you forgot their biggest signing, Tony Snell. Oh, yes, of course. It's a trade, not a signing. Gotcha back. Uh, no, but seriously, that's uh, Tony Snell off the bench is legit. Yeah, Tony Snell's he's gonna, a good player. Yeah. He's average at everything. Uh, I think totally a couple fine. years ago, I'm pretty sure a couple years ago, Tony Snell was the average height, average weight, average field goal percentage, and average field goal percentage from three on the dot. He's Mr. Average, which is like awesome for a seventh or eighth guy. Uh, it's an expiring contract too, $12 million, so they can go out and find yeah. their next most average guy next year. And you didn't overpay Bogdanovich. Uh, you didn't overpay Gallo, although it's a lot. Uh, and then John Collins is going to be the one piece where I think you're going to have to figure out this year if he's worth the max contract. Spoiler, he's not. Uh, and possibly uh, not trade him. Yeah. I mean, he's really good, but that's the type of contract that gets you stuck just being good and not great, yep. uh, which makes a player like Trey Young leave six years down the road. I know that's looking ahead, but that's just what happens. That's the way the timeline works out. Um, Boy, nobody. I don't know if anybody in the NBA is more blessed than Trey Young right now, who has had just everything go his way pretty much since he's been in the NBA. Yeah, it gets to a team where they're just like, hey, you can shoot it 25 times a How game. How many times do you want to shoot? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, go ahead. Do it. Oh, you're only shooting 33% from three? Keep chucking yeah, up 10 that's a game. All right. Um, all right, next big winner, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, that roster is finally looks like it's going to fit, right? Ben, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias, and Embiid should be your starting five, or at least it's your crunch time lineup. Yeah. You have Ben, who is just a distributor. Basically, you're playing him at the four, really, but on offense, he's you know, your main distributor. Uh, but then you surround him with shooting. Embiid shooting has fallen off, uh, but I think it's something that it's, it's good enough for a center, pretty much no matter where he's at. Danny Green, shooter. Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the league. And Tobias Harris can do it all. Uh, So I think that starting five finally fits, which has been the biggest struggle for Philadelphia. And with the top-end talent you have in Embiid and Simmons, they could be as good as anybody in the East. Could be. Yeah, it's a a, uh, capital C, capital O, capital U, capital L, capital D, could. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. the talent's there. I, I personally really like Josh Richardson and didn't love that they moved on from him. I mean, Seth Curry is good, but I, I, I there's a Seth. chance that I, I see that I, I don't get that. They had to toss a pick in with Josh Richardson too, which to me is like, that's a that's a loss on the trade. But I get that they got their guy, and you know sometimes when it's the guy you want, you got to overpay. But uh, Daryl Morey coming in hot, making them hot, hot sizzling off the griddle trades. I like it. They're gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, really. So something Richardson has got worse and worse at every year of his career. Uh, his rookie year, he shot 46% from three. Um, that's mostly because I think it was January of that year, he shot like 62%. It was absurd. And then he goes 33, 38, 36, 34. So he's a good shooter, but not great. Seth Curry, I believe, shot 44% last year, or he's a 44% career three-point shooter. Yeah, 44% career, 45% from three last year. You don't need the defense from him. It's, uh, it's. I, I just think Curry is a perfect fit with Ben Simmons, the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Rondo, Danny Green, Dwight and JaVale are gone. Dennis yeah, Schroeder, Wes Matthews, Marc Gasol, and who the hell am I forgetting? Uh, one oh, more Lan- piece. Uh, Montrez Harrell? Montrez Harrell, yeah. You steal Montrez from the Clippers, kind of their heart and soul, for a team that, in my opinion, has very little heart and soul. A very uh, faux heart and soul team. Just It's just a lot of Patrick Beverly being loud. Um, st- steal them from him. You trade JaVale McGee for a couple of players uh, uh, who are probably going to make the roster, and then you also get to sign Marcus Gasol. You have the top two six-man-of-the-year candidates to go with LeBron and AD. Caruso's still there. You still have shooting. Kuz is still there, and you did all this? Kuz the is team, good. I mean, Kuz is a good player. I keep seeing everywhere uh, people essentially saying that the gap has closed. Not everywhere. I've seen it a few times. That the gap has closed between the Lakers and the rest of the West and the Lakers and the Clippers. That is crazy. The Lakers have got so much better. Like miles, exponentially, yeah, better, and nobody else big, in the West has. You, you, all of those players that left at the beginning that you mentioned, Javale, Rondo, all those guys, they were all upgraded. They were, they've all been replaced by better versions of those players. And now you're going to get Marcus All for what I'm assuming is a pretty steep discount. It seems like at this point, like when the tweet comes out and it's like, oh yeah, they're exploring more avenues to find a way for them to get Marcus All more money. Like so, we're we're gonna get like a nice, a nice Marcus All cameo in Space Jam too. That's what's coming. Yeah, there we go. Um, I can't believe that you don't consider the Clippers losers. I consider the Clippers losers. They. I did until they got Surge, and then it just. I think Surge is better than Montrez Harrell. So. I don't think that Surge is better than Montrez Harrell. Uh, Montrez Harrell I mean, was useless in the playoffs. Useless. You couldn't play him. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, he had some moments where he wasn't good. I mean, Serge Ibaka is no spring chicken. And he was really solid with the Raptors last year, but he also kind of got played off the court a little bit. So I think but that he can it's, do like, what the Clippers it's a lateral need him to do. He can do what the Clippers need him to do. Where the, at, like... Like, the Clippers need him to go out there, occasionally block a shot, protect the rim, and hit some threes. He can do that. Montrez Harrell has no defensive ability, uh, especially, like, when teams really start going at it. Uh, and, I mean, Serge was 15-8 and eight last year on 38.5% from three. I mean, the dude's still got it. He's not what he was in OKC, but he's actually not that far off looking at the numbers. <laughs> I think if you're the Clippers, that the bubble taught you that there are probably some systemic problems within your team. And I don't think replacing Doc Rivers with Ty Lue and swapping out Harrell for Serge Ibaka is what the doctor asked for. Especially considering you don't have a pick until, I'm assuming, the end of the world. Well, wow, that's – we actually – I strongly disagree on both those. I would rather have Ty Lue than Doc Rivers, and I would rather have Serge Ibaka than Montrezl Harrell. They're, like, so close to me on both of those things. They're marginal improvements at best. I disagree about how good I think Ty Lue is as a coach. That's just something that you and I fundamentally disagree on. But You and the I, rest I, of the basketball world, Burn. Okay. Uh, that's – okay. Uh, uh, thank you, basketball world. Uh, <laughs> I just think that the Clippers needed more. They need more if you're oh, going to compete. Oh, I, I don't oh, quite disagree a bit with that. They, sh- they could have had a better offseason, for sure. It There's got to go... be a, a, a Pat Bev, Lou Will trade coming. But they are, like, be. 
big losers from this offseason is all I was trying to convey. They're basically going to be in the same spot. I mean, they're going to be big losers in the next offseason because of this offseason. So I that's, guess that's, that's projecting forward. Like, there's no way Paul George comes back when they get kicked out in the second round again. They get beaten six games by the Lakers. Like, If Paul George doesn't come back, does Kawhi come back? Uh, probably. I don't know. I'm going to say I, probably. I don't want to – Kawhi's pretty mercurial. I, I, I wouldn't want to, like – Take a guess that Kawhi wouldn't go well. Paul George is gone. I'll just find somebody else to come in to be my number two with me. I'm already in L.A. I want to be in L.A. And I, I could see him instead going out and trying to find James Harden or something. Here's a Serge Ibaka stat for you. Career high in points last season. Second highest career rebounds last season. Mm. Now his blocks aren't 3.7 per game anymore like they were in his best season. They're Serge Ibaka under one. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's got it. All right, do we have to do it? Oh, yeah, talk about the Lions now? Do we? Yeah, I mean, we could keep it brief. What What did you learn in this game? I didn't learn anything. Stafford's banged up. They're missing their top two offensive playmakers. So first okay. thing I learned was Okuda's a problem right now. I think yeah, I, I I, we've about talked that. about this every week, but I think it's more scheme than it is player. He's also a little bit slow, uh, which Bob Quinn loves to draft slow corners. Uh, I also learned that the Lions are like the character in a TV show where you're four or five seasons in. You know it's an eight-season show. And the whole the since season two, you've been saying that person's getting a redemption arc. The redemption arc is coming. And then instead of that, the show just decides to make them worse every season. They get fucking worse. They are, for my uh, Avatar The Last Airbender fans out there, they are Azula. They just get fucking crazier and crazier and make worse and worse mm. decisions. And you always expect it to be something. You always expect like a small step because we're fucking idiots, all of us. Even if you act like you don't, you expect them to get it right every once in a while. And they don't. They were the second team in the NFL to get shut out today. We lost to a fucking XFL quarterback. I know. Who, by the way, looked like pretty good. But <laughs> you, good. Can't, oh, yeah. you can't judge that because every, I would look good against the Lions. This Gatorade bottle would look good against the Lions. Like, it's it's just – I don't know why I got so mad today because I haven't been getting mad or happy for like two, three weeks. It's just been neutral. I've been a sociopath to the Lions football. Uh, but this week just pissed me off. And seeing that stupid pencil in that – in Matt Patricia's ear with his laminated piece of paper so he has nowhere to write on. Nowhere to write on, but he's still got the pencil because he wants branding deals. I know what you could do to get branding deals, Matty P. Is that win true? Win a damn game. Yeah, he's got a laminated piece of paper. No, the branding deals. Is he sponsored by Ticonderoga? He might be. No, I, that's just me venting. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it's just like, here, let's play a game. Let's play a game. What did Matt Patricia say in the press conference after after this game? Oh, I'm sure he was obstinate. I'm sure he was super like, you know, the game is the game. And uh, I think we went out there and did our best. And I think that we're doing a good job. I bet he just like did the thing where he, he like doesn't even grant the premise of the question. Like, what do you guys need to do to improve? It's like, uh, we just got to keep going. You know, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. And, Close. Uh, you know. Close. You know, obviously, very disappointing game. Uh, you know, did not uh, did not go the way that we wanted it to. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, it's just the complete opposite of everything that we talked about trying to do this week. So, uh, give Carolina credit. Um, I think obviously they played really hard. Uh, they had a good game plan. They did a good job on uh, all three phases. 
And uh, you know, we gotta we gotta go out and we gotta coach. Uh, we gotta coach a lot better and get things right. And we gotta go play better. So uh, you know, unfortunately, we got a short week here. We're gonna have to learn quick and we gotta get going. But um, you know, just really didn't get it uh, started here very well uh, from a team standpoint. And uh, you know, we gotta go do better. So. So we've heard this six times this year after every loss. It's, uh, you know, we uh, we need to execute better. Coaching needs to be better. Uh, we need to execute better, and then the coaching also needs to be a little bit better. Well, guess what, Matt? It's year fucking three. It's year three. The coaching should be better. The execution should be better. Your number three draft pick shouldn't be one of the worst corners in football halfway through his first year. Your quarterback shouldn't have to deal with getting sacked 20 times with a torn thumb. He's going out there to play for this worthless team. Don't ask me why, because I don't know. My ass would be sitting on the bench. Going out there playing for this worthless-ass franchise who does the same shit to him every year. Every single year, it's the same fucking story. I'm sorry for cussing so much. I'm just very angry. Uh, So here is how I'm going to make it positive and not get as angry. Thanksgiving, we lose. Fire him. You have 10 days for Braden Combs to get settled in as your head coach. I don't know how I'm going to explain to my family who barely watches football, like, what is going on with the Lions this year. Like, I, I, don't, I just don't know how I'm going to, like, explain to them. They'll go, oh, the Lions are 4-6. and six. Oh, the Texans are pretty bad. Like, they could win this game. They're looking decent. And they're going to lose 35 to 14 to the Texans and I'm going to have to be the guy who has to field questions on that all day because that's Thanksgiving tradition it's bad man I'm officially a little worried about the offensive line which wasn't a thing I was worried about but the last couple of weeks hasn't been as good and I don't understand what's going on because the Panthers like don't have a kick-ass pass rush and nobody's really been hurt Uh, if anything this line should be getting better as they get Big V in there, and I don't understand it. The 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 play Big of the v game sucks. for me is Piscini chasing PJ Walker out of bounds. That's the best play I saw all day today. Yeah, that, Penicini looks like he's going to be a steal. Um, <laughs> he actually looks really good. And then, well, let's Aurier just keep, let's also. pile on. Yeah, looked really good today. Both should not guys. be. Should not be. It should be him and Trufant. It, we shouldn't be doing this alternating thing every every drive. Uh, also, Panthers, 28th in the league against the run. Adrian Peterson, 2.6 yards per carry. Carryon Johnson, 2.8 yards per carry. So, there was wait, no I, positives today. Not a I single didn't one see a whole lot of run-run pass, especially not for, in the second half. Pass. Yeah, yeah they, they really like tried to do some gadgety type stuff. There was the, like, they, they threw in 51 yards, and we had an illegal formation penalty. Which wasn't. Wasn't it? No. TJ Hawkinson never went downfield. It's not an illegal formation. Well, wow. It got okay. called an illegal formation, but it's not an illegal formation. Where is, like, I don't, I, this is, like, probably not a good thing to be looking for, but where is somebody on that sideline when that happens screaming at somebody? Where is Patricia, like, getting, like, going up to the ref and spitting in his ear. I know that's, like, not, like, good behavior, and it probably doesn't win you anything, but, like, let me let me see that that shit bothers you. These coaches have had 10 men on the field for three different scoring plays this season. They probably have no idea that it wasn't a legal formation. <sighs> Did, that happen don't again? Know. Did that happen again this no, weekend? No, I, I don't think it happened this week, but we'll find out. People are watching God. the tapes right now. Uh, but every time I see a picture of the Lions offense now, or, or defense now, I count how many players are on the field. I'm never sure. Um, so we're the worst four and six team I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
only better or only worse than the worst five and four team ever in the Chicago Bears. Uh, I, I don't know. That's that's really. I don't want to talk about them more because then we're just doing the same shit we've done for ten. I know. Weeks. What else? This is why. See, this is why they've been relegated to B block because what are we gonna do? We're we're stat. We're stuck in this time loop of the Lions being just so mediocre and bad all year, and nothing is changing about that. I don't see anything different on the field. I don't see anything different in the style of game we're playing. I see small, like, little tiny stuff. I, I did see less run-run pass today, I guess, but it's not like it, like it, it wasn't was forced working on the them, game. Though. Yeah, it was forced on them because they were doing the run-run pass, and then they were down 17 nothing. Yeah, I mean, Hawk, like... Clearly, Matt Stafford wasn't 100% today. It was very obvious to me. There was a play where I think it was Marvin Jones goes out for like a five-yard like outside. I don't know what you would call it, like an outside slant, like a post maybe. And Stafford just misses him. And I mean misses him by two yards wide and a yard short. And it's obvious that like when that happens, because you've seen Matt Stafford throw that pass a dozen times this year, that his hand's not right. And okay, sure. So where does it become... Chase Daniel, maybe I. I if Stafford I don't doesn't know, man. I, I, yeah, I know, and you can't. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go around the league because I'm I'm done with that conversation. What? Uh, since we're like kind of already in this kind of zone, which injury are you sadder about, Joe Burrow or Clay Thompson? Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Clay Thompson injury sucks, but. I've kind of – I don't want this to sound horrible, but I've got used to Clay Thompson not playing. He just missed a whole season. Uh, it sucks we don't get to see the Splash Bros, but, like, I don't Joe, – I was – Joe Burrow I was focusing on on a weekly basis. And not to mention he was my st- – I had to spot start him in fantasy this week. Oh, so, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Good time for your bye week bills. Uh, Steelers, they going to go undefeated? No. Ravens, Browns, Bills. They got to lose one of those, otherwise they're going undefeated. Which there's one? Gonna be, there's going to be. They're not some, losing to the Ravens. Some kind of Ravens game, I think. I don't know when it's going to be. Next week. Okay, so they play the Ravens next week. That would make sense to me that the Ravens were are going to come out next week and be lights out uh, after kind of after their tough loss today against the Titans in overtime, and then last week, and they just can't be good teams, and now they're starting to get that rep, and it's going to stick, and. Uh, I would. I, I think that could be the game. What I think the they're falling team? apart. I think they're falling. Uh, Bills and Browns, but I think the Ravens are falling apart. One, they're out of a playoff spot after today. They're in the ninth best team in the AFC. Two, John Harbaugh lost it today. He didn't shake uh, Mike Vrabel's hand. He was getting yelled at by the Titans pregame after the coin toss, and he was yelling back. I think that team's falling apart, and I think it's because maybe, maybe. Lamar Jackson is not an MVP level quarterback. Uh, yeah, something about the logo. The Ravens were like out on the logo or something. Always, always a big eye roll for me when there's a logo team on the logo controversy. Des Bryant went and put the football on the Minnesota Vikings logo or whatever, and the Vikings got mad about it. Okay, it's a it's a colored piece of turf. Baker Mayfield sticking the flag. <laughs> Well, uh, so that one I actually think is a little different because there was like intent there, uh, and I yeah, actually liked it. I liked it though. <laughs> I thought it was good. Uh, I like it. I like the aggression of it. The so we talked about that. Uh, this, uh, do you want to talk about the Saints at all? Taysom Hill looked 
decent, decent. good, yeah, <laughs> decent. Warmed up, warmed up a little bit, kind of stepped into the game as it was happening. Uh, was very slow to start, but solid to finish. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see how that progresses moving forward. Uh, if taste, if taste, we know Hill who they keep, play next week. I don't know who they play next week. Okay, continue. I'll find out. Uh, at a certain point, you gotta wonder if they'd be willing to trade Jameis Winston for a decent draft pick. I mean, their cap is falling apart after this year. They're gonna be like twenty-five million over the cap at the end, at like next year or something. So, uh, I'll be more interested. Oh, wait a minute! I clicked on the Falcons. Big dumb dumb over here. I will be. Let's see if I will be. Yeah, I'll be more interested to see how he plays against the Broncos next week, who don't have a world beater defense anymore, but a good defense. Do you want to talk uh, about the Bron- Broncos this week? Sure. What'd they do? The Broncos beat uh, your oh, your yeah. son, Tua. I know. I was watching. Uh, did Tua, Tua got hurt, right? That's why he got pulled? We don't know. Uh, I mean, he was 11 of 20. Uh, no turnovers, though. And he did get sacked, and it looked a little weird. Uh, but they already said he's got the job back next week. So it's it's a non-story. Uh, if if there is a story there, it was bad decisions by Flores. There was no need if he was healthy to take two out of that game. You got to let your fourth overall pit or whatever he was play and see what he's got after he had a kind of rough first half. Little bit of a Bob Quinn move on that one there. I think if the I think the Dolphins are trying to make the playoffs. I think that's what's happening here. That could that's the best guess I have. Uh, maybe Still. he was like kind of banged up, and they're just—it's not going to be on the injury report next week because that's the way it is in the NFL. But I don't know. I, I did not think Tua was as good today, even before he, he got taken out. He was so he a little bit of that's fine. A little bit of concern for Tua, just a tiny bit. They're they're tiny just bit. treat they're they're treating him with baby gloves. They're yeah. I don't let him. Let's see what he's got. They uh, I get you're in a playoff run, but see what he's got. You got to kick the baby birds out of the nest and see if they can fly. Yeah, and by the way, that guy can fucking fly, okay? So He's like a, a peacock. Eagle. He's a peacock. You well, gotta I don't, let him fly. I don't think peacocks fly, but let's don't move on. understand the reference, dude. <laughs> uh, so in my notes, I have – I know we already talked about Joe Burrow, but I have Joe Burrow, frowny face, Justin Herbert, smiley face, 37 to 49, 366, three touchdowns, no picks today. I, I think it was you who brought up to me – Burrow versus Herbert, like a couple weeks ago, is that gap closing? I was like, no, not at all. Well, even before the injury, if I like, oh sure, yeah, maybe. I mean, Herbert's there. here to stay, that's for sure. Uh, Herbert is legit, one hundred percent legit. And if for people who are listening to the podcast version of the show, when I was talking about that, I just did the scale thing with my hand. So yes, now you have a did, visual uh, uh, scale hands, yeah. Scale hands, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they they say I'm world class at scale hands. So. <laughs> Uh, Saints, number one team in the NFC. Shocked? No, I actually think that if we go back and listen to my our preseason thing, I think I picked the Saints as my NFC champion. Fuck you if you did. Uh, cheesecake schedule the rest of the year, too. They're going to probably be the one seed, even with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Plus, my mind was changed. If you listen to our picks podcast, I said they could lose three in a row if that's all the time Breeze misses with his, I think it was nine cracked ribs. Uh I've I've heard, I've seen as few as eight and as many as eleven, so yes. over under nine and a half broken ribs for Drew Brees. <laughs> uh, but they aren't. They're gonna lose in 
the first playoff game they play, like always. So, Maybe, so yeah. I mean, it depends. What if they draw, draw like the? Oh, they won't because they'll be division winners. But what if they draw, like one of the the extra wild card team, and they're playing like the Dolphins or something? That wild card team would have to win a playoff game because the Saints are going to the get their buy. Yeah, the Saints are going to get their buy. Uh... So more than likely, I would say there's about an 80% chance that they face a good team in their first playoff game, and they're not going to win. They never do. They had one season. Where... So Saints-Browns, you think that they still lose that? Wrong like conference. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Super Bowl, yes, I think they lose that. Sure. Uh, we'll go Saints-Seahawks, they lose. I guess um... – Saints Green Bay, they lose. Saints Tampa, they lose. Saints Seattle, they lose. Saints Rams, they lose probably. Uh, I think they could beat the Rams. It depends. Saints Cardinals, I think they lose in the playoffs. Like, oh, it's man. Just... Sign me up for that game. Yeah. Are the Cardinals in the playoffs right now? Uh, yeah, they have to be, yeah. right? They're they got seven the last and three spot. or something. They have the last spot, six and four. Uh, so they're a game ahead of the Chi-Town Bears. So I think the NFC is pretty much locked up. Minnesota's not jumping up two games. Chicago's not coming back, and we're behind Minnesota. So I think I think we know our seven NFC playoff teams. Minnesota, I think, could still be a playoff team. They would have to be two games better than the Cardinals for the rest of the year. Oof, yeah, that's tough. That's too bad. I mean, they've really come on. And they lost the to the Cowboys the today. Yeah, that was tough. The Cowboys were like. The Cowboys are playing out of their minds, though. They will not play that well again this season. They just won't. It's the Andy, Tal- Andy Dalton uh, return season. It's the it's comeback season, Andy <laughs> Dalton. Okay, We're going to have to change the line back to the Andy Dalton line because he's well, going to be just average enough. That would be crazy. I mean, C.D. Lamb and like, all those guys, they'll catch anything that's anywhere near him. So it could be. It might could be. Might could be for sure. Uh, you got any other football? Football? No, I'm good on football this week. It was kind of a – I don't want to say boring week of football. Cause it no, that's what it was. Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't that boring. It just didn't – it was kind of a, a almost injury-filled week of football, I think maybe is the word. We were coming down from the heroin high that was the NBA, and we yeah. smoked oh a little gosh. bit of weed with the NFL, and we're just like, I mean, sure. Yeah. If that's the correct way to put that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, go ahead. We're, we'll leave it in. All right, cool. Kids, don't do heroin. Stay in school. I'm good then. Let's wrap this. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, good. Thanks for doing that for the kids. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods. Uh, yeah, all anywhere places. you get podcasts, we're up there. Yeah, or where you watch videos, YouTube, Facebook, we're there too. You know, we're around the world. We're worldwide. We're global. Um, so thank you all for listening every week. We appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, for Double P, producer Parker, and myself, your host Andrew Norris. We are out of here real quick. I just want to say shout out to my whole family. Also sad to me. I have to spend Thanksgiving alone because everybody I love has COVID. Bye.